0: Greetings, members. My name is Lincoln Snyder, and I am president and CEO of the National Catholic Educational Association. And welcome to our podcast. It is my honor and privilege to be joined today by my close friend and one of the people I respect the most in Catholic education: yeah. full stop, Sister John Dominic Resmus, and of uh, the Dominican Sisters of Mary, Mother of the Eucharist. Uh, in addition to having been a an educator in schools for well over twenty years, and served as vicaress for her order, she is the executive director of Open Light Media, which is the company that publishes education and virtue, among other wonderful works. So, Sister, welcome.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Lincoln. It's great to have this opportunity to, to have a conversation. Yes.
0: Absolutely, Sister, and one of many. You know, sister uh, and I are looking forward to sharing with you some of our experience around education and virtue and what it really meant for our students and for schools. Uh but uh before we talk about uh talk about virtue uh I just wanted perhaps you could share with our listeners a bit about yourself your vocational journey and background and what what brought you to where you are today.
1: Oh wow, that's a that's a whole other uh topic, but um I re- originally was born in California, my family moved to Nashville, Tennessee. Um I converted, I became a Catholic when I was in high school, so I still remain the sole Catholic in my family and um after my conversion 2 years later I entered uh, the Nashville Dominicans in uh, Nashville, Tennessee, to say, a beautiful community. And after living uh, 15 happy years there, the Lord called myself and three other sisters to kind of step out in faith and um, begin a new Dominican um, foundation, I started to say separately. This is the thing about Dominicans in the United States have generally been, the mother houses have been autonomous. They've been separate. So we started this in 1997. There were four of us, and today we're about 150 members. Still continue um, with our deep love uh, with Catholic education. I have great respect for the National Dominicans, and we certainly all know what they've contributed uh, to Catholic education. So we, we're kind of both working in this great field and bringing, you, know, young people um, truth and educating them in holiness is what we're all striving to do. So that's a real quick snapshot. I was a principal for yeah, I was principal for twenty years, loved it, and then from that came disciple of Christ education and And So now I'm kind of in a whole new world, learning digital and print, and and trying to provide resources for educators.
0: That's beautiful, and you know one of the things I, I share about you, sister, when people uh, ask about you is this, well, you know, one one of the obvious signs that she's a, a genius is that she's figured out how to teach St. Thomas Aquinas to six year olds.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's and maybe that's me where I had to like figure out how I could get myself to understand it. You know, like how can I get this so I can get it and then incorporate it into my own life, you know? Yep.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you know, one of the things we talk a lot about is, you know, for for us as a as a big tent church, uh, you know, that we have a lot of room for uh, you know many different expressions of the faith, but there's certain things that seem to be core to our identity as Catholics, and and virtue ethics is one of those things. If you look back Absolutely. to the Church, and of course, you know, for you as a Dominican, I know St. Thomas Aquinas was kind of a big deal. Um, yeah,
1: right, just a little bit, yeah.
0: <laughs> so, could, could you tell our listeners just just from scratch, um, you know, about virtue ethics and what virtue ethics is and why it's so important for us as Catholics?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. You know, it actually goes back, you know, even to the the earlier philosophers, because you know, Plato, Aristotle, that's where you know Saint Thomas Aquinas drew back to those teachings. And when we look at and we understand, and he pulled a lot from Saint Augustine as well. But it's this um, way of life, and that's the way I'd like to look at um, you know, when I talk about what it means to live virtue ethics, uh, you know, to live a virtuous life. That it is a way of life. And when we we look strictly at the at the definition of it, it's this interior disposition towards goodness. And what the early philosophers realized is that when people in society lived virtue, there was more order. You know, there was um, structure. There was a a certain happiness that came from that. And really, when we think about um, virtue, what this does is it it brings together this integration of our interior life. Um, as which is a result, you know, man is, is fallen, but he's still good, right? So, if we look at that original holiness, original justice, and all that was impacted from that first sin, that, um, that, that state of gracelessness, virtue is when we can live this goodness, this drive towards goodness, when we're responding to God's grace. Grace is God's participation. In our life, so we're living like a supernatural life, but we're really living how we were created to be. And when we, uh, so what? That's what really what you know. Saint Thomas was looking at, and that, and even if you can see the example of the earlier philosophers, is that again this order society. And then when we're living our moral life, our life in Christ, when we're we're prudent, you know, we're thinking before acting, um, we're temperance. You know, we don't let our emotions, or our desires control our life. We have fortitude, we drive through, we have this resilience, you know, and then this justice where we're doing, you know, what is right and fair towards others, then there's um, society is peaceful, classroom and ourselves evil. And so that, you know, we want to, we want to translate that um, into the school community where it brings um, a unity, you know, it builds a, a community, it, builds, um, it, it brings a culture of goodness into the school building or to the home, You know, because everyone is kind of moving in the same direction. That's the beautiful thing about virtue. Once we understand the language and what the virtues mean and what they look like and sound like, then we're all kind of looking the same way and moving together in unity. So I can can go on and on, but I don't know if there's anything you want me to jump on from off from that or dive deeper into.
0: Yeah, there is. So as you're you're, you're telling that story, it it makes me think of when we've implemented virtue education uh, at schools, and and one of the most common responses I get from parents is like, I wish I had known this when I was growing up. And so you know, yes. the thing about virtues is you have these these big concepts or these big words, you know, fortitude, prudence, and there's a lot of concepts to know. But you know, you don't start by teaching it cognitively. And so I just t- talk through that a little bit for our listeners about how you bring kids on this 10-year journey to to really live the virtues and then understand
1: Exactly. Exactly. Like you said we figured out how to do it for 6-year-olds, right? So what we did is and when we developed, you know, looked at the different what the virtues mean, we give visual kind of illustrations of what that virtue looks like and sounds like, you know. So they learn it by um, how it's modeled, you know, in front of them. So what happens is, is when you bring this language into a classroom, or you bring it into a school, or you bring it into the family or the workplace, um, it raises the bar, right, um, of everyone around. And we recognize that something like just, you know, what what does courtesy look like and sound like, you know, um, it's opening the door for somebody, it's how we're interacting you know what does kindness look like and sound like so and what's beautiful is that i can think of an example of a mom that shared with me a story of her three-year-old um she had taken she had had the virtue cards for affability which are pictures right and there's no sitting there but they had a picture of, of a little girl waving you know and and showing friendliness well she was at the store and she had the one uh one little one that she was pushing and she had the other ones that she was bringing around. And she kept noticing when they were passing people going down the aisle in the grocery store that the people would pass would be waving back. And she'd be like, w- where's that coming from? And then she noticed that the little one was waving at everybody. And she got home and she's like, where did you, where did you learn that? And, and she could, obviously didn't have the vocabulary to say it, but she just pointed at the picture. And seeing that, and and noticing, and watching the reaction of other people, it immediately brings a, mo- a smile, right? And that's that's modeling it. That's just through illustrations. But if if we're wanting, we're recognizing the importance of modeling that in our classroom and in our life, um, it just it just brings um, a spirit of of goodness and positivity to a classroom and and to the school culture, the whole school community, you know.
0: Which is a beautiful use of that ability to model one of one of the things that I, I wanted to talk about today, and I think the big idea is you know you' you've found a way to teach this ancient understanding of the human person and flourishing really well. And you know we live in a a world where there's a lot of challenges with things like mental health, especially for our youth. and we we live in a world where you know behavioral science is big. It's just most of our experience with it is being, Part of this social media slash commercial algorithm, where you know people are prompting us to do things that maybe aren't virtuous, or you know at least they don't have our joy in in mind. And so I um, I w- wanted to to walk through um, that you know broadly, and then perhaps we can explore a couple of ideas within that. But you know, as you, as you look at American youth, and and you understand that this is a time of real challenge for mental health, and this is something that we're all concerned about. You know where where do you see virtue connecting? With with those very modern concerns of how our kids are doing, especially post pandemic.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's a, that's a great question, and I think um, I think Lincoln. The beautiful thing that we see is that what we know in neuroscience is that the neuroscience, in the in, in particular, a world called neuro, neuroplasticity. Right, is that the that the brain changes, you know, through the, through experience. So the neurons that that wire together fired together, wire together, you know, and that when we are, we see this, this drive towards goodness and we're modeling that and we're, you know, you see so much about positivity or, or gratitude. So the neuroscience is reinforcing what we already hold in our Catholic tradition, which goes back, you know, it's ever ancient, um, ever new, right? It goes back even, you know, as we talked to the beginning about the early philosophers, this neuroscience is showing that this way of life, it leads to a healthy mind. And even all of the strategies or what they encourage us to do or implement in the classroom through social emotional learning or positive behavior, um, beautifully connect, um, come together with our understanding of virtue education. And what's even more amazing you know when we talk about this is that in catholic education we're dealing with our faith where the young people um have already received this grace of baptism and that god is at work bringing t- to fruition to to growth um all that he's created this beautiful child this beautiful person to be you know and i think that's an emphasis that that we can bring together this is a beautiful thing like you said the church is broad the ten is broad. You know, we can look at the science, we can marry it with what we know and um, our Catholic faith, and use that for goodness, use that for the well-being, the mental health of all the children that are entrusted to us every day as they walk in, and adapt these uh, practices, but always hold on to this fact that this is a response to the grace of baptism, that God is at work through this, you know. Uh, and to me, it's very exciting because uh, it actually reinforces um, what I've learned to you know, teach everyone to do that a six-year-old could do, right?
0: <laughs> well, and it, it seems to me that, that we are wired for this. In other words, we're wired to want to be happy or joyful. And we're also wired for this, you know, reading through, um, you know, it's interesting, Aristotle, I wouldn't take medical advice from him, for example, right? So he wasn't <laughs> right about everything. But he really stumbled onto something that was really insightful. And especially St. Thomas Aquinas, seeing that we all have this capacity for virtue. Yes. And that's yeah. not just for leaders and not just for rich or clever or, you know, whatever people. It's for everybody because God, God wired us all this way. Um, you know, so you're um so the from the perspective of our of our listeners, you know, so you're a classroom teacher and you're you're working with these these children entrusted to your care uh, that aren't. Really, all that happy. Everybody seems a little bit off. So you know, when you're in that, when you're in that classroom, where do you, where do you start with them? You know, especially I in think, we are today.
1: Right. Exactly. I think Lincoln. It's always you know, and this is the beautiful thing that I think where Catholic education always has shined. I mean, even you know, we know you know, the past fifty years have been a little turbulent and things like that. But I think the one consistency that we always see is that it's the child, right? We focus on that individual child, and we see the dignity of unworth of that child. I think, as my experience as a Catholic educator and working with other teachers, you know, what's the greatest agony or the worry that we take home with us at night and doesn't ever leave us? It's like that one child that we're not getting through to. You know, let me try this, or, or um, you know, educators, I often say, teachers. Are really on, on the front line on a lot of things. And they're the first ones that, that can see a sadness in the eyes of a child. Um, they can recognize their struggles if it's academically or socially or something that may be going on in the home. And what we have the freedom to bring in Catholic education um, is that relational part, that love, you know, um, the living fullness, the, the theological virtues of faith. Hope and love that that we always know we hold on to this hope that we're anchored in God that you know through prayer and focusing on that child and bringing that love to that child we can do it now I know that sounds kind of theoretical and we're always as teachers we always want okay this sister that sounds great practically what can I do you know and I think it's is understanding um, I really go back to this understanding of virtue right and looking at you knowing. The, as an educator or as a parent understanding what virtue is and seeing it in that child and as soon as you can um and i'm using label in a positive way here but as soon as you can or maybe you spot a virtue in that child and you say to that child you are very docile you're always willing to be taught they're going to latch on to that you know i have a a, a young man that i Talked about it. and I like you know he drove he was in junior high drove everybody crazy right so I I tried to teach him to understand self control and he came back later on and talked about you know when you when you taught me to have self control and not eat the whole bag of cookies that kind of helped me when I was living in the fraternity and not going to the refrigerator and polishing polishing off all the beers when I could you know making sure I left a few back you know not always stopping myself before I went too far you know. I was like, "Okay, yay, you know you got the lesson down. you know <laughs> Now he says, "Sister, I failed sometimes, but at least I knew you know I had that knowledge.:
0: <laughs> Absolutely, And you know the the other aspect of this I wanted to talk about is uh w- one of the neat things about about teaching virtue to a community is that I mean, it is about the individual and that individual leading that balanced life as they're forming their own conscience. But it also changes the dynamic of the community. You know, for us, I, I think that as Catholics, especially, we have this notion of being saved in community, and and there, you know, the community dynamic is really important to us. It's not just the individual, though. It helps the individual. So, could you talk a little bit about that, and you know, how you see this as a community thing as much as an individual?
1: Absolutely. I think yeah. So as I, as I go back to talking about being a way of life, and um, you know, we say that it's more than a curriculum. And oftentimes when, when we work with schools or I talk with principals or superintendents or just uh, classroom teachers, there's a little bit sometimes an appreh- apprehension of bringing this virtue into like the schools, like, oh, it's like, it's one more thing to do, right? You know, and, and, I, and I don't understand that, how am I gonna be able to do it? And we um, emphasize doing a little bit at a time And immediately, like a week or two or a month into it, they're just like, oh, I get it. And what did they get? You know, the reason why they see it is because using this language, this new vocabulary, this understanding, just in and of itself, it begins, it changes it from a negative to a positive. The culture in the entire school and in the classroom, because everyone is understanding it. Like I said, they're raising the bar. And um, there's, there's, there begins to be a, a peace and a harmony. And there's a difference in how you're handi- handling those disciplined situations. Um, those situations become more restorative, um, more relational, um, moving towards a reconciliation where you have a, you have words to have a conversation around, and it isn't punitive, you know. And that's, that was really the big difference that St. John Bosco did when he brought his preventive system of education during that time and it was very repressive, you know, he used reason, religion and kindness. And that's what if you look at a lot of these um, models that are out there now there's a lot of really good work uh, taking place but it's help, helping the child regulate themselves, you know if they're dysregulated, Um And then. So that their their the cortex, their their part of the brain can open up, you know, and that they can they can draw to this and understand and latch on to it. So, um, it 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 impacts the entire school and impacts the whole classroom. Um, I don't know how to say it. It just it just happens, you know. It just it just it just happens.
0: Well, I I think what you're talking about, sister, is the very intentional creation of a culture. That, yeah. that, that the culture cares you. So, you know, a, a term that we hear thrown around a lot uh, is social emotional learning. And that means different things to different people. But, you know, we, we all, I think, know and, and agree as educators that that we do need to address stress and anxiety in our kids. Uh, you know, we, we know that our great teaching saints um, like St. Saint John Bosco were, were doing trauma informed education before it was a thing you know what what's your thought about you know this the the secular conversation around social emotional learning and 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 how you'd like to steer it with this this conversation toward virtue
1: exactly i think i'm like i'm not i'm the true sense of social emotional learning and like i said um earlier with the what we're finding in in the neuro, the neuroscience with the beautiful thing that's come out of the decade of the brain that it it's shining a light on, you know, God is showing us, he's using these brilliant people who may not even realize that they're doing it, but there is shining a lot on on showing us how God created us, how he designed us, how he made us to live. And virtue aligns with it beautifully. Um, uh, The work of Dr. Dan Siegel, where he talks about balance, resilience, insight, and empathy, align beautifully with the karma virtues of of prudence um justice fortitude and temperance you know and even how he's talking the the techniques and talking about the regulation and the cultivation of these things it it just beautifully comes together and but we we have to we have to kind of marry it in this light of grace the light of understanding that is that God is the one that's bringing all of that brings virtue to growth as we cultivate it. It's a response to our life of grace of, of our participation in God's life, our participation in the sacramental life, you know, and and receiving you know, this time of the Eucharistic revival, right? Um, receiving Jesus in Holy Communion, um, reconciliation, um, living fully the sacrament of Confirmation. And that we have to teach young people in our Catholic schools that this is, you know, I can do all things in God who strengthens me, you know, and that they can rely on him, that they have that relationship, that there is a God that loves them personally and intimately. And that that how they live matters, that they matter, you know, which is contrary to what we see on the secular side, where it's, it's me. I'm. I'm doing this. I'm. It, it's. It's a. It's, and so if we're t- if we're we're trying to become our own self-made selves and when we fall, um, that's building our home on a, a house on a sand, and it's just gonna it's gonna fall. You know, we have to have this foundation, this rock on the foundation of the rock of the church. You know, of grace, to sustain us through the trials of life, which are going to come. You know, and that's we've got to see it in that light. Uh, not be afraid of it and use these things, but see it in that light. And it takes it takes you know um, some catechesis to get us to that point. You know.
0: Yeah. It, as you're speaking, sister, I'm just reflecting that you know if you had you given me the word counterculture when I was 17, I would have thought of hippies, uh, you know, <laughs> and flower power. But you know, we're we're you, you must find yourself, or do you self-reflect on finding yourself in this countercultural. Position or space in the discussion. I mean, we're uh, you know it, it is countercultural to to try to point towards something that that's a little bit more ancient and and grounded in understanding than than you know me me me. What what is your experience with that been? I mean, has it felt like a an upward slog sometimes? It, what keeps you going through all of it?
1: It because I know it's yeah you're right. That's what gets what gets me through it is I know it's the truth right and what what enables me to kind of keep going against the grain right you know i mean and and this is even you know within our own you know catholic schools and things it's, it's a lot easier to get something that's a curriculum adapt because what what happens with the with the resources that we've prepared is that everybody has to do it right the principal the teachers it's it's the whole it's the whole community is learning this language you know and what what motivates me and drives me is really just this zeal uh, a true zeal for the souls the children because this is the way of life that um is so much a part of our catholic faith so much a part of catholic education and it just it didn't it just diminished uh i think it just kind of fell off our our radar because it was there 50 years ago um, I don't think it was—I don't think it was anything done intentionally. I think it's just something that we just woke up one day and said, "Oh, they're really not—they're not getting this intentionally at home anymore," you know. Um, and it's just kind of rebringing back something that was always a part of, of what we did in Catholic education. It was—it was. If you look back at those old report cards, it was on the report cards, you know. Uh, you know, it was there. <laughs> Not and that we need to be graded in it, but it was an expectation of way of life.
0: Yeah. Well, that that's a great segue to the the next question. Uh, so, you know, we're we're coming out of this time where Catholic schools have done very well during COVID. And obviously, we could always do better. But, you know, our, our teachers really did something heroic uh, during during this pandemic. You know, they, they showed up at, at risk to themselves and made sure that they were present for the kids. And that's why our, our system's done so well, uh, you know, vis-a-vis others during this Absolutely. pandemic, you know, so what's you know, looking at our successes. And I, I think a lot of the things you're talking about, our teachers know intuitively because they did it for the kids relentlessly for years now, but wh- where do you, if you know, your, your personal wish or desire, you know, where do you see us in five to 10 years? Like, what do we really have to focus on and how do we, how do we keep this momentum going that we've got right now?
1: Exactly. And you, you touched on something. that's the first thing I always say, uh to teachers if i'm going into a diocese or a school and they're they're implementing education of virtue the very first thing i say to them is like you all taught through a pandemic you have already practiced virtue heroically to a heroic degree and what and so you've got this you know you've already done it you know and i think it's so where would i love to see this in 5 or 10 years is letting this um this understanding Of what they've what teachers in Catholic education have already lived, and how they've what they've already done, but um, having them learn this 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 beautiful language of virtue, this beautiful way of life, and surrounding all that they've done with the children and and bringing that into the schools and to the school community, and letting that be what unifies. Uh, them as a faculty and staff would univise them with their families um, that entrust them, you know, in a parish. That everyone is, is like I said at the, at the beginning, we're all looking in the same direction, mm-hmm. and um, and we've and I guess the thing is that maybe it's a new marketing tool to say, look, you've already done it, you know, you've already practiced this heroically. Let's just keep it going, you know, and and this is what it. These are the words of what you actually did, you know.
0: That's fantastic. <laughs> so, um, tell us a little bit about Open Light Media. I, I know that this started off as a part of your, your 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 personal ministry, of course, but also for the Dominican Sisters of Mary, Mother of the Eucharist, and then it's grown into you know quite the uh, quite the, the the publishing and, and media company. So, tell tell us a little bit more about Open Light and and some of the fun things you're doing there.
1: Exactly. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's it's like the Lord kind of he keeps he keeps pushing us forward and it's really just a true blessing that I I look at it as um it's kind of like the the new pub, the internet, the the video world, the YouTube is kind of the new public square, you know. And it's and as Dominicans, we're teachers and preachers and we want to be out there, you know, um teaching and preaching in any way that that we can do and it's pretty it's very consistent with our charism as dominicans and i mean i know there's other religious communities that have a part of it but we've really you know made this decision to take a step forward and and to be very intentional about it so we are are producing uh, we have open life media uh, plus where where, we're producing professionally developed i've got a beautiful we've got amazing staff i have all these young people that know how to do all this stuff these natives you know um, they do beautiful work, and we're producing um, high-quality uh, video series. Um, we're working with Dominican friars in the Western Province and the um, Eastern Province. We're we're getting our sisters who are natural educators where we're um, we're teaching a class and modeling how this can be taught, so a teacher can uh, use this resource in their classroom for their children. So if we can't be in, present in every school they can show the video of one of our sisters teaching the virtue um, so that the teacher can learn that. And then also the children have this exposure to religious life or to her sister. That's cultivating the virtues God gives a growth, which is one of the series. So to accompany all that we're doing, we're also um, doing guidebooks, um, providing resources. So it makes it really easy for teachers. Like I think the beautiful thing we bring in this is that we're educators and it needs to be practical, intuitive, and simple, easy to do. And um, so that's what we're developing. It's easy for them to print it off, go to the copy machine and uh, show the video along with it um, to help them in, in bringing this beautiful language together in that. So uh, we're doing um, podcasts. We do short little um, reels for uh, Instagram uh, shorts on YouTube. Uh, we're doing documentaries. Uh, we've won a couple uh, film festivals, so it's it's really a, it's it's exciting. I I could not do it if with if I didn't have the amazing staff that I have. So
0: that's incredible. One of my concerns about social media is, you know, that so many of us struggle with it because because you're essentially, you know, there's these big algorithms at play with some of the best minds in the world that are all focused on steering you toward something. A tangible or steering you toward anger. So you stay engaged online longer and buy more stuff. And you know, and you, you found a way to plant um, beautiful things within that ecosystem. So you know, understanding that, you know, clearly, it's not something you fear or you avoid, but rather lean into, you know, for, for our teachers and parents that are maybe struggling with their kids with things like tech addiction, or making sure that you know, that this is their reality, you know, how, what are your thoughts on particular with our kids and keeping them engaged? With beauty, knowing that we live in this world where we have all of these media at our disposal.
1: Exactly. And I think there's nothing, and again, I go back to the neuroscience, they taught, they really caution about that, you know, to limiting those things. And those are things that I would be um, all for. And and the work that we do, um, the books that we publish, were very intentional about putting beautiful artwork in front of the students, you know, so that we work with Lexio Divina. And trying to um, have t- teach them how to disengage and spend time with the Word of God. So it it's a both and, you know, we're accompanying both of those things. And I think it's really um, important that um, that children learn, you know, that Dr. Dan Siegel talks about this thing, a healthy mind platter, you know, and that the that the mind needs these nutrients um that that they need to have a dose of every day, just like they need to have the vitamins and everything they do to keep their bodies healthy um you need to have the nutrients of practicing virtue to keep you know the virtuous life healthy, but also your your mind needs these nutrients to keep a healthy mind so it's a it's a both and and I see us using uh just like we're doing now in this this podcast is using this these means to try to get this message out to a broader audience, um, and, and to do it. And, 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 beca- and we're always intentional in our post and all that we do, that it is something positive, uplifting, something beautiful, inspiring, you know, um, to be a, a light in the darkness.
0: That's beautiful. And I think that's just a, a great, um, prompt for my last question, then happy to discuss anything you'd like to sister, but you know, who, uh, you know, part part of virtue is cultivating an active prayer life, and you have a lot of resources around that. You know, I remember working through a beautiful book that uh, you published on the Lexio Divina, for example. So, what 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 are you cultivating right now in your prayer life, or any any you know reflections you wanted to share with with us? as, you know, in particular, working through you know the challenges of the age?
1: Yeah, that's. I think it's interesting you uh, bring that up because with the passing of uh, Pope Benedict. I went back to my, my kind of go-to books with him, and he wrote, um, on, and one of my favorites is his Catechesis on Prayer, and he has a whole, um, these Wednesday catechesis that he gave, you know, and we look to the saints, and that's what I I always go, I go back to that to nurture my own prayer life and to, and to kind of bring, draw from his wisdom, you know, and how he pulls things together. And, and then it's, it's consistently just really just going back to reading the word of God, you know, and then recognizing all of God's revelation, all that God has revealed to us um, in our Catholic faith and the doctrines, and just kind of constantly keeping myself steeped in that um, so that when I'm communicating or I'm studying other things um, that hopefully I can bring a clarity to the, to the message to lead people because people are, are thirsty. They're looking, looking for something, you know, looking for hope. And, uh, we got to, those are the ways to keep the light going, right? We gotta always have to have our, have the oil for our lamps, right?
0: Always. i mean yeah. to that. So sister, any other final thoughts, or I know you're, you're working on some exciting things that are to be coming up, uh, anything else you'd like to share with our, with, with our members before we wrap up?
1: yet. Actually there is one. We've got a really really great um initiative project or thing we, we've we've been focusing a lot on high school and young adults up and we've it's all kind of the the kind of the brand of it is um uh restoring Christ. And in this we have a whole uh video series where uh we're it's kind of tapping into that audience, but in particular we're developing something called a virtue strength survey where young people and young adults or people can take, uh, they take the survey and they find out what virtue, uh, their their virtue strength is. And we're beta testing this in high schools. So we've um, we've already uh, beta tested and over 1500 uh, high school students took it. And immediately the feedback and a lot of the surveys that we've gotten back when they've asked them what was their most meaningful thing they did the first semester and they said was taking that survey because it gives them this awareness by taking this, they understand what their their strengths are. So it's very hard to see that in themselves. And what happened is that that immediately went to the faculty and staff. So we got the, the principal calling back, hey, my faculty and staff want to take this test because they do the beta test on it. So we've got another, uh, this spring, we're working with the uh, Diocese of Charlotte and they're gonna be uh, having their high school students uh, do a, a beta test on it and then another round of testing. So we're all very close to having validated tests. We're working with professionals on this. And I think that it's going to be something that's, that's not out there. And um, it's going to be a great way for people to see it and also to be able to um, recognize that and find out what their strengths are and figure out ways that they can cultivate virtues that they, they feel like they need to to grow in. So that's one of the many initiatives we're doing, but we're really excited about that.
0: And you still find time to sleep amongst all this. uh,
1: (laughs) It's my team. It's my team. I've got great people that are working with me.
0: (laughs) That's wonderful. And sister, if our uh, listeners wanted to check out these materials, uh, could you tell us your uh, website or the best way to to, to find uh, links to these and other things?
1: Absolutely, the, I think the best thing is if, if you go to Open Light Media. So that's OpenLightMediaAllTogether.com, OpenLightMedia.com. Um, you can go there. You'll be able to jump in right into education and virtue. We have a whole uh, section devoted to that, and then all the other resources we're developing. And then also, if you're kind of a fan of YouTube and you're, you know, kind of looking for things, uh, that Open Light Media is our channel. and You can uh, subscribe to that and get notifications when we publish things or just see a lot of the, the video content that we have uh, present there is a lot of, it's very rich. There's a lot of things that, that can be used.
0: Rich indeed. Well, thank you so much, sister. I really appreciate you taking time Thanks. to join our podcast today. And uh, I know there's many more things we could cover. So hopefully we'll be uh, connecting again soon.
1: Looking looking forward to it. I love it, it's, it's great talking to you, Lincoln. And thank you for, thank you for all your leadership And all you're doing now for the NCEA, and um, I really, I I have full confidence on how you're going to lead that forward in the next five years. So thank you. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much. So this is uh, Lincoln Snyder, President and CEO of the NCEA, and I've been speaking with my friend, Sister John Dominic of Open Light Media, Dominican Sister of Mary, Mother of the Eucharist. Sister, thank you so much. Thank you. God bless.